Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. And it is a early morning for me on a St. Patrick's Day. So, happy St. Patrick's Day for all of you celebrating. But, man, uh, you know, it, it's it's strange to say it, but, you know, the more, the more I watch sports, the more I find out things that I just simply can't understand. So... Uh, I've been up since 4.30 this morning just re-watching game tape to figure out what the hell just happened. Because uh, for those of you living under a rock and just did not see the uh, sports scores last night, we finally had a situation where a number one seed lost to a number 16 in the NCAA tournament as Virginia not only was beaten, but was smoked by University of Maryland, Baltimore County, 74-54. Virginia, who was the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Virginia, who was the number one defensive team in every defensive category, who had not allowed 70 points in a game to any team this season in a conference where they play against Duke and Carolina multiple times a year. That same Virginia team just gave up 53 points in the second half when they averaged 53 points allowed per game. That team just got smoked by a team that was 212th in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Uh, the Ken Palm statistic uh, by Ken Pomeroy that measures every college basketball team. To give you context into this, Holy Cross, my alma mater, ranked 290th in offensive efficiency with its 19 losses on the year. Uh, I mean, in terms of teams, I mean, you would have never even suspected that... Uh, UMBC had this capability. I mean, again, to put this in context, in terms of offensive efficiency, Denver, which was 15 and 15 in the Summit Conference, was 217th in offensive efficiency. This is just inexplicable. You know, if you're talking about greatest upsets of all time, this is right up there with all of them. Not just college basketball, because it's the greatest college basketball upset of all time. 
even greater than uh, Virginia losing to Chaminade as the number one seed just because of the field expansion. But, I mean, you're talking about uh, Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. Miracle on ice. Uh, I, I can go on, but it, literally, there aren't too many stories that could actually top this one just because of every single thing that went into it and just how it played out. I, I just... I'm I'm still speechless. Again, I've seen this game no less than two and a half times already. What, uh, getting up in the middle of the night, thinking that maybe maybe somehow I dreamt this all up to watch it again and just figure out what the hell just happened. I, I again, Virginia for all they've done on a year on defense. Look completely shell shocked. Uh, they could not. Uh, uh, they could not keep uh, UMBC from getting into the point whenever they wanted. Uh, they were ch- running around screens all game long. They, they were wide open shots. I mean, there were so many things wrong that uh, Virginia did. I have to give UMBC credit, but it, this was this was like bizarre world where, and you're watching something and you can't put your finger on what just happened and. I could see Tony Bennett on the sideline knowing that his team was in trouble. So, uh, just to give context to this game, at, in the first half, uh, both teams were still struggling uh, to put the ball in the basket, which is not a shock for Virginia. And Virginia was still able to play some defense. Uh, uh, UMBC closed on an 11-5 run to tie the score up at 21-all. So, again, not much offense happening. I mean, Charles Barkley was... Uh, essentially playing it off like he was falling asleep watching this game. But, you know, for UMBC to come up with 53 points in the second half, when, again, Virginia averages uh, 53 points allowed per game, it's just one of the most bizarre halves of college basketball you will ever see. I mean, I've literally watched that second half three times, uh, and I cannot put my finger on what the hell just happened. Uh, it's just utterly bizarre the fact that uh, Virginia was unable to guard this team. They, uh, I mean, everyone has tried to space out Virginia. Everyone's run ball screens on Virginia. It hasn't worked. And uh, I mean, Virginia's been an elite defensive team for four years now. I mean, this is just unheard of. So for them to get punched in the mouth like this and Virginia having absolutely no response uh, and even beginning to panic at certain points by rushing shots because they knew they were falling behind and they couldn't generate offense and they couldn't stop them on defense. I mean, you thought this might happen against uh, a team with size or uh, just a physical ability and athleticism. But, I mean, you know, uh, UMBC played them straight up and just out-executed them. Uh, I mean, it's just simple as that. They got their asses kicked. Uh, I wish I could do a more technical explanation as to how UMBC got the job done, but, I mean, this was a lot of ball screens and dribble penetration. Not much else to it. Uh, they just sound executed them. So, uh, with that being said, uh, we'll go into the first round and uh, uh, just uh, and how it, uh, the brackets broke down. But, again, the biggest upset in college basketball history just happened last night, for those of you who did not uh, hear about it and... I, for one, am still in utter, utter shock by it. So, uh, excuse me if I, I 
you know, I'm, uh, I'm still at a loss for words just to figure out what what, what I just saw because I, I still can't put my finger on it. It's just one of those where sports, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, again, uh, just one of those where anything can happen on a given night, but that was... Uh, that was about as uh, far removed as anything you could have imagined because uh, UMBC came into that a 20-and-a-half-point underdog. I mean, in terms of the sports books, I mean, you you literally had uh, odds of them winning the game outright. Basically, uh, some of those lines were plus 2,000 or plus 2,500. Uh, I, I mean... Some book uh, uh, books wouldn't even take bets that lopsided. Uh, so I mean, li- uh, literally, there was uh, some uh, folks that uh, I think it was the Venetian. The story was that someone uh, uh, someone uh, ended up getting uh, sixteen grand out of an eight hundred dollar bet on UMBC. Now, again, although the person won sixteen grand, uh, I would say it is friends. Don't let your friends bet ridiculously. Huge underdogs as just a rule of thumb because, you know, it's just throwing money away. But, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It, it is absolutely mind-blowing uh, that uh, this uh, this happened. So, I mean, yeah, there, 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 were, there were definitely some, some folks who uh, hit some paydays uh, with uh, betting... Uh, Betting, uh, uh, betting hundreds on UMBC, but man, I just, I, I, I can't believe, believe that 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 actually uh, uh, that happened. Uh, but anyway, uh, let, let's get into uh, the brackets themselves because you know I may give myself an even bigger headache uh, tr- trying to figure out uh, what uh, what could have uh, happened here because. Again, the only the only upset that was even larger than that one that I can recall was uh, uh, like by a point spread standpoint uh, was uh, th- th- there was um, uh, I think it was when Santa, Santa Clara beat Arizona, but even then uh, that was an overall number one seed. So uh, Virginia only was twenty and a half points. Uh, as a favorite, because Virginia doesn't score that many points. I mean, this this is just a gigantic upset. I, I, there's no getting around it. I mean, people were having this game uh, being pointed out where UMBC wouldn't even break uh, 50. Uh, that that's how lopsided it was. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on to the rest of the bracket uh, just to give you an assessment of uh, what went down with uh, these games and what's uh, what's to come with the round of 32. All right, so in the South, which is where all the craziness is happening. Uh, you've got, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about UMBC. We've got a Kansas State who actually played better than I thought against uh, Creighton. I thought they had a, a d- decent shot at winning that game against Creighton uh, in the 8-9 matchup. Uh, but uh, Kansas State uh, actually was relatively in uh, cruise control. Uh, Creighton uh, just never got any offense going at all in that game, so Kansas State was never really troubled, so they kept that uh, lead in the 7-10 to uh, 10 range like pretty much the entire way 
through the second half, uh, even. So uh, uh, they moved on 69-59. Uh, so they get the matchup against UMBC. You know, in terms of uh, the actual uh, matchup itself, uh, I mean, this is heavily skewed towards Kansas State because even with that win, that I mean, UMBC, based off of every metric I've got, is still going to be a heavy underdog to Kansas State. I mean, even heading into this tournament, uh, UMBC had a 2% chance of winning that game against Virginia, which to me was still kind by most of the uh, StatCast uh, systems, but but uh, you know uh, they had two percent chance and a point two percent chance of making it Sweet Sixteen. Uh, you know, K State. But meanwhile, uh, they had a ten percent chance of making it Sweet Sixteen. This was before uh, the tournament started, obviously. But I mean, it, this is a golden chance for both uh, squads. But you know, I look at Kansas State. I, <laughs> I know UMBC just beat the best defensive team. I mean, that's the strangest part about this tournament. Is it's not as though uh, UVA uh, uh, were slouches uh, uh, and uh, don't, didn't know what they're uh, doing. I mean, they, uh, they, uh, I mean, I don't know what else you could say other than uh, they played the game of their lives. I just don't see the any way they could possibly uh, repeat that. I, I just can't see it happening. So I got to take Kansas State, and I think they win it comfortably. But I mean. Shoo! <laughs> you know, if if I said I was confident, I'd be lying at this point because, like I said, it is hard to fathom how UVA got dominated that badly on the defensive end. But you know, it is what it is. I I just look at it and I have to say that K State opened up as a ten point favorite. With Vegas, uh, and you know, again, uh, K State's going to be probably anywhere from like minus six hundred to uh, uh, minus five hundred as a favorite uh, on the money line. Uh, I, I I gotta I gotta put this on K State to w- uh, win this one. Uh, you know, uh, although the Retrievers have uh, <laughs> have uh, certainly made the tournament that much more interesting. Uh, I, I just look at it and saying K State uh, is is gonna figure out a way of uh, just slowing them down and just keep it in front of them. Uh, but again, that was such a bizarre game last night that I'm I'm, I'm almost I'm almost hesitant to even say that uh, Kansas State will slow them down defensive on the defensive end. But yeah, that <laughs> that happened. So. Uh, the other, uh, so that's the late Sunday matchup at 745. Uh, you've got a matchup today at 515 between Kentucky and Buffalo. Uh, you know, Buffalo ran Arizona out of the gym on the opening night of the tournament, which, again, their thunder has been stolen by UMBC in a way. But, uh, you know, this Kentucky team, they have the talent to make a Final Four run. It's just that they're so incredibly inconsistent. This might be Calipari's best uh, job uh, coaching because they don't have a dominant center and they don't have a dominant guard. So even though they're talented, they don't have exceptional uh, world-beater talent that they've had in years past when 
they had Anthony Davis and the eyebrow and the, I mean, you know, you can go down the line of like just blue blood, uh, like even Randall, uh, you know, the blue blood Kentucky players that were one and done players that went on to the NBA and, and tore, uh, tore everything up. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the crux of the matter is, is that Kentucky, they've got the talent. They don't have the same deficiencies that Arizona did defensively. I think, uh, Buffalo, despite that incredible shooting performance, I, I just can't see them repeating uh, that same performance. So I've got Kentucky winning this uh, uh, and uh, moving on to the Sweet 16 uh, in the South. And then in the bottom half of the draw, you got Loyola Chicago against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee had a dominant performance against Wright State. Uh, that was as good as I've seen Tennessee look all year. With that being said, I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening against Loyola Chicago. Uh, you know, that should be a very entertaining matchup uh, tonight at 6. Uh, you know, I, I see that as a potential upset uh, uh, alert coming in uh, just because, you know, I've never been that sold on Tennessee's team uh, this year. But, you know, given everything that's happened, the bracket's wide open for them if they get into the Sweet 16. And uh, because, uh, again, the stiffest competition that they're facing from here on out in that region is Cincinnati, uh, who, who uh, matches up uh, uh, tomorrow night against uh, Nevada. Uh, Cincinnati should get past Nevada. Uh, Nevada had a great game uh, to close it out against Texas. Uh, Texas shot themselves in the foot multiple times with just bad decisions inability to shoot from the free throw line. Nevada also stunk from the free throw line too, but uh, Texas just uh, kept shooting themselves in the foot and cost themselves that matchup. Uh, Texas should have been able to close that one out, but credit to Nevada, they got the job done. Uh, so moving on into uh, the West uh, region, you know, Xavier's got the matchup against Florida State. Florida State took advantage of Missouri's issues, so to me that was more of a walkover than anything else. Now they're actually facing real competition with Xavier. Uh, you know, I don't see anywhere where Florida State gives Xavier trouble unless Xavier just has a bad shooting night. But Florida State is just going to run bodies at Xavier and hoping that they can run them down. Uh, so that matchup's uh, uh, another late game at, at, on the. Uh, Sunday night, so we'll see how that one goes. Uh, they would, uh, winner of that matchup moves on to the Sweet 16, and they would play the winner of Gonzaga, uh, Ohio State, which is later tonight. You know, I look at the Zags, and I, I, fe- I feel as though this should be a matchup. They, they, they win 9 out of 10 times. It's just that the margin of victory is what's going to be kind of the driving factor. I'm, I'm not sold on... The Zags uh, just uh, blowing uh, Ohio State out of water because that's not what the Zags do. Uh, they win tight matchups. Uh, the Lions only uh, three and a half favoring the Zags. So uh, I know the money is going to be on people betting on Ohio State to cover three and a half uh, just uh, for folks who are just uh, trying to bet the Lions. But, you know. I look at the Zags and I'm saying, yeah, I, I get why the line's that low. Uh, just because uh, Gonzaga can lose this game. It's just I see them winning. I see them winning a tight matchup against Ohio State, like I said, 8 out of 10 times. And I think uh, 
Gonzaga would blow them out one another time. So that's why I said I think nine out of ten times Gonzaga wins this matchup just because from uh, the standpoint they match up very well against Ohio State. Uh, I I don't really see too many scenarios where Ohio State's going to be able to beat them. Uh, so uh, I mean they're uh, they uh, commit few turnovers. They're better at offensive rebounds. Uh, they're a better three-point shooting team. It, like, the things that Ohio State are good at, Gonzaga's a little bit better than they are at. And, you know, it just it would take a, a bad day in the office, which, again, it's entirely possible. But uh, just everything that Ohio State does well, uh, Gonzaga does a little bit better. So uh, I, I don't see uh, that as, uh, as close of a matchup. Hey, it's going to be close, but I, I just don't see that as... Uh, a potential upset that uh, some people had pegged as. Uh, moving on, we got the 6-3 matchup between Houston and Michigan. Uh, Rob Gray, as I mentioned before, was the guy to watch. And he carried Houston through against San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State outplayed Houston overall, but Rob Gray refused to let that game go. So he took it over and won it for the Cougars. Uh, you know, matchup against Michigan... Houston has to play better offensively as a team. Rob Gray cannot score 30. Uh, I believe you ended up at 37 points. He, I mean, I, I'd be shocked if he breaks 30 again uh, just playing back-to-back games. But he's going to need a little bit more support from his other teams, just to, other teammates, just to uh, keep this one uh, manageable. Now, Again, what I talk about with Michigan that always frightens me with this team is the fact that they're so bad at the free throw line. Uh, you know, the more I, I kind of look at it, I you know Michigan struggled early against Montana and then they got their act together. But if you can put pressure on Michigan in the second half, I think they're susceptible to getting caught by a team from behind. So I'm gonna I'm still gonna give the uh, the edge to Michigan, but. Uh, I, I have I have much more trepidation about them than any other team in this region uh, going forward. Uh, and then uh, the other pairing uh, uh, for uh, Sunday's matchups in the region, you got Texas A&M versus North Carolina. A&M, you know, didn't have a nail-biter exactly against Providence. It, it was still close. I mean, Providence never really seemed like they were going to be uh, within striking distance of uh, putting A&M in trouble. Uh, it was only a four-point win, but that game seemed as though A&M had it handled for the most part. But, uh, you know, they're they're getting a step up in competition. Uh, North Carolina struggled early against Lipscomb. Uh, this, uh, this should be a relatively easier matchup for them to manage uh, compared to some of the other teams uh, North Carolina is going to face. Uh, the the big the biggest issue uh, that North Carolina has to do is just be a little bit better defensively. They got spread out quite a bit by Lipscomb. Uh, I, I look for uh, them to try to tighten things up a bit and uh, uh, get it get it under control early. So uh, we're gonna move on into the Midwest. Uh, Kansas Seton Hall playing tonight. Uh, you know what? This is a matchup where. Uh, people have it uh, circled as a potential upset bid. You know, I like Angel Delgado. I think he can do a lot of damage to Kansas because of the fact that uh, Kansas has... 
they're a, they're a team of tweeners uh, in a way where Kansas doesn't have a huge size advantage in the front court. Uh, so you, you've got a lot of guys that are undersized in terms of front court players. So if you have uh, players with long wingspans or just overall tall, uh, like Seton Hall does, that can give uh, Kansas trouble. So uh, Kansas is going to need to shoot the ball well today. I, I still think they get past Seton Hall. It's just one of those uh, matchups where uh, team composition-wise, Kansas uh, can run into some difficulty against Seton Hall uh, just uh, because of the fact that uh, overall uh, uh, composition of the team doesn't uh, doesn't favor Kansas, but what Kansas can do is stretch the floor and shoot the three. So they're, they're, they shoot forty percent from beyond the arc. Uh, I, I would expect them to keep leading on that card. Uh, if the shots don't fall, that's where Seton Hall can take advantage of them because uh, Seton Hall will clean up on the boards against uh, uh, Kansas. Uh, uh, although one of the things I'd say with Seton Hall is, that if they were a better free throw shooting team. I would say that uh, getting uh, getting Kansas in foul trouble and getting to the line would be paramount. But Seton Hall doesn't shoot uh, shoot from the free throw line and all that well. So uh, you know, even though getting Kansas in foul trouble would benefit them, uh, I don't think uh, Seton Hall necessarily is equipped to take advantage of it. So I still have uh, Kansas moving on uh, past Seton Hall. Uh, but uh, in the, the other matchup, uh, uh, the winner of that game will go in a Sweet 16 matchup against. Probably the easiest opponent you could face in the Sweet 16, which would be the winner of the Clemson-Auburn matchup. Uh, Clemson and Auburn both did not look very good. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I thought Clemson was the weakest five seed and uh, Auburn was the weakest four seed in the tournament. Uh, Clemson uh, took care of New Mexico State. Didn't look great in spots, but uh, they they got the job done uh, in terms of... uh, uh, shooting the three, so uh, Shelton Mitchell and uh, Gabe DeVoe uh, got Clemson past it. Uh, Auburn had a nail-biter against Charleston, and to be perfectly honest, they got bailed out by the refs because uh, they were up three with uh, 15 seconds left, and Auburn clearly committed a foul on a three-point shot that the refs missed. The, the, uh, the Charleston player got hit on the elbow. Uh, somehow the refs missed it. Uh, and the, the ball was clearly an air ball and fell short because he got hit on the elbow. Uh, and uh, Auburn was able to assault the game away with free throws. But uh, Auburn did not look good uh, in their matchup. Uh, I know McLemore got hurt, but you know the rest of that team uh, really did not uh, show up. Uh, so they were the weakest four seed in the tournament, in my opinion. But... Uh, uh, Clemson was just as uh, sketchy in terms of a matchup. Uh, so uh, the Battle of the Tigers uh, uh, is literally going to lead to, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, pretty much a, a walkthrough um, a match at the Sweet 16 for the uh, winner of uh, Kansas Seton Hall, uh, which I presume to be Kansas. But if Seton Hall gets it, uh, I would definitely take Seton Hall over Clemson and Auburn uh which would be a dream uh, scenario for Kevin Willard. So uh, a lot of a lot of opportunity on the line here for Kansas Seton Hall because uh, again, uh, that's a nice Sweet 16 matchup if you can get through the first weekend of the tournament and ha- only have to worry about Clemson and Auburn. Next up, we got the Cuse facing off against Michigan State. Uh, 
Syracuse got past uh, TCU, which I wasn't surprised as some people were. Uh, TCU, to me, it was just one of those matchups where I could see TCU struggling against the zone. And, uh, you know, TCU, uh, I didn't think was that great of an outside shooting team. They got a lot of dirty points on the inside. So I I saw them struggling if uh, Syracuse was able to get past Arizona State. Uh, uh, so, uh, Syracuse, uh, won the game, uh, uh, 57-52. I mean, it wasn't anything to write home about, but, uh, Bayheim's team has been able to get it done with defense. Uh, Michigan State won what amounts to kind of a rugby match against, uh, Bucknell. Uh, uh, the score was not as close as the game itself. Uh, they only won by four over Bucknell, but, uh, Bucknell hit a bunch of threes at the end, uh, but that was a very physical game uh, Michigan State played. I was surprised that game got as chippy as it did, uh, considering it's <laughs> it's the Big Ten versus the Patriot League. But uh, that was uh, most certainly one of the chippiest, if not the chippiest game of the first round. Uh, but uh, Michigan State moved on. Uh, they uh, they did uh, get through without uh, much in the way of injuries. Uh, but uh, I, I would say that... In terms of a matchup, Syracuse is fits in their wheelhouse. Uh, they can rebound the ball. They can get the second chance shots against even against that zone. I, I look at uh, Michigan State as uh, being able to win uh, handily against uh, Syracuse. Uh, so it's uh, not one where I, I look at this as any sort of upset special whatsoever. I think Michigan State takes care of business and they probably get it done earlier than uh, some people might expect. And then in uh, the last matchup, uh, which is one of the, I think it's it's one of the earliest matchups of the day today, uh, you got Rhode Island facing off against Duke. Uh, you know, I, I said it before, uh, if you hate Duke, you're probably going to hate this tournament. Uh, but from my standpoint, I think Duke is one of the safest picks in this field. And yeah, yeah, this could come back and bite me in the ass, but uh, I, I still feel that way. I don't see many teams being able to match up with Duke's size. And, you know, with Duke's front court play and their guard play, it's it's going to be hard to knock them out. I, I think it's going to take, if Michigan State can't get the job done, I think Duke's rolling into the Final Four without much uh, difficulty. So... Uh, I, I think they get past Rhode Island. Uh, Dan Hurley is going to need a hell of a coaching job today to uh, pull off the upset here. But uh, I, I think Duke is uh, primed for a deep run in the tournament, uh, uh, barring any kind of injury to uh, Bagley or uh, or anyone in, in the Duke's backcourt. I, I just feel as though uh, Duke uh, is well well positioned to have a – a deep run in the tournament. I mean, they they got a nine point favorite. It's just not a great matchup for Rhode Island. So I, I just don't see an upset happening here. And yes, uh, for the Duke fans, you can stop being so obnoxious with your tweets to me because I hate. It. It's like I I, I hate uh, acknowledging it, but I really do feel as though Duke's making a deep run in the tournament this year. All right, and then last but certainly not least, we've got the East region. Uh, Villanova against Bama today uh, is the opening uh, matchup. Uh, I look at this and I, I 
I, I, I kind of have Nova down here as, you know, if you guard Colin Sexton, you're going to win this game. Uh, I, I think uh, Jay Wright's going to have a game plan in place to isolate Colin Sexton, uh, try to deny him the ball. Uh, Sexton had his nice uh, exhibition matchup in the opening round uh, and uh, got, got himself past uh, Virginia Tech in a tight one. I think the uh, that run basically ends here. I don't see... Uh, Villanova getting much difficulty getting past Alabama, but uh, it's a it'll be a national showcase game for Sexton, so I think he'll still put up some points. But I, I don't see Villanova in danger here uh, in this matchup. Of course, I can eat my words, but uh, you know, uh, look, looking at the stats, I, I don't I don't see where Alabama really gives Villanova fits other than Sexton uh, going off and scoring uh, thirty plus points a, a, in this game. Which could happen, but you know the the odds of that aren't uh, especially high, given how much effort he had to expend against Virginia Tech. Uh, moving on, West Virginia versus Marshall. Uh, let me say a, a word about this game. Uh, Marshall, outside of I would have I would have let off of Marshall beating Wichita State is the biggest shock if it wasn't for UMBC because. Even though uh, Wichita State was in the 100s in terms of defensive efficiency, Wichita State was still a top 10 team in offensive efficiency. Now, I knew Marshall could put up points, but I did not see anywhere in the defensive metrics where Marshall would have been able to put up the defensive effort that they did against Wichita State, wherein they forced 26 points off turnovers uh with Wichita State and at least 10 turnovers in the second half that I counted. I mean, there were so many turnovers, Wichita State, and it wasn't unforced. They were absolutely forced by hustle plays and just getting in front of the, beating a man to a spot. I mean, Marshall out-hustled Wichita State, which is ironic because Wichita State made their name as a Cinderella, being the guys who out-hustled on the defensive end and uh, put pressure on you with their offense. So uh, Wichita State, State got, literally got beat by the uh, at their own game. Now that they're in a Power Five conference, which I, I found a, 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 bit, a bit humorous in a way. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, uh, good on Marshall. Uh, that was uh, I, I did not see that one coming. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, happy the way they did because they hadn't actually won a, a NCAA tournament game either in their history. So. Uh, that was fun. Plus, uh, Dan D'Antoni, uh, older brother Mike D'Antoni, uh, had uh, had the <laughs> t-shirt and jacket combo rocking as if he was on the, the set of Miami Vice. So that that, that was interesting to see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I, I look that uh, matchup and uh, you know I'm curious to see what Marshall could do here against West Virginia. I I, I fully expect West Virginia uh, to win here. Uh, with with the press and putting pressure on Marshall, I thought uh, that uh, the West Virginia press was going to give Wichita State fits, uh, which is why I had them uh, favored in most brackets over Wichita State. So I, I still have to maintain that same uh, uh, posture against Marshall. Uh, but uh, I'm very curious if Marshall can keep that defensive intensity going against West Virginia, then they've got a chance. Uh, it, I I don't think. Uh, even though John Elmore uh, uh, was shooting the ball out of his mind with like that three-point shot from the hash mark 
was ridiculous. But uh, even with that, I, I don't see Marshall being able to do uh, get this into a high-scoring contest with West Virginia. I think uh, West Virginia is, uh, is still going to use the press and uh, um, and cause some turnovers. So they'll speed they'll speed up Marshall. So even though the game will be uh, uh, you're you're going to see offense in that game uh, just because of the tempo uh, increasing. I still look at this as a, a matchup where, you know, uh, whoever can get this game to 81st is going to win. But uh, it's it's also one of those where West Virginia being favored by 12 points is ridiculous. I, I, I can't see West Virginia covering 12 uh, to save their lives. So I, I got to take, if I, if I were doing a betting odds on the spread, I, I would have to take the dog here. Uh, just because it, that is uh, uh, that that's that's a that's a very large line there, and uh, as good as West Virginia is, they're not that kind of team to absolutely bury uh, a squad that much. So I, I would uh, say West Virginia wins, but uh, uh, you would be taking the dog uh, if you're going by the spread. Now, uh, in terms of the other matchups in this bracket, you got Florida and Texas Tech. Tech looked incredibly shaky against uh, uh, Stephen F. Austin uh, to the point where I was questioning myself <laughs> based off of uh, my recommendation of Tech as a dark horse candidate. But, you know, I, I still look at uh, Tech in terms of their overall uh, balance on the squad as a, a dangerous team to go up against. So I'm still taking them against Florida. Uh, Florida had a nice game offensively, which is surprising, uh, <laughs> uh, just because they can go long periods of uh, just struggling to score. But uh, uh, I, I look at Florida, I, I definitely see them uh, moving on, uh, uh, mo- moving on uh, to uh, a stiffer competition and then, going back to being Florida. So uh, Tech here, I think it's by Florida. I think the score ends up being closer than I originally expected. Uh, but I, I still look at uh, this as a matchup that favors uh, Tech uh, in a tight one uh, now. Because uh, uh, originally I had Tech probably winning this game by uh, anywhere from six to seven points. Uh, the line has closed this up to closer to a pick matchup where Tech is only favored by a point and a half. Uh, I think uh, Tech uh, w- wins this one, but uh, it ends up being like a two-possession ball game at most uh, just because Tech showed enough jitters where now I have to uh, kind of reassess, uh, but I don't think uh, Florida scores uh, nearly uh, nearly as efficiently as they did last uh, game. I think they're, this game probably ends up in the 60s. Which benefits Florida in a way, uh, but I still think Tech is the more balanced team, and that and just gets the job done. So uh, I've got Tech uh, uh, pulling out the win here. Although uh, this uh, this does end end up being closer than I would have uh, initially expected it to be. So uh, with that being said, uh, we come to. The last game on the docket, uh, uh, and it's uh, going to be the first game. Technically, it's going to be the first game 
uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, with Butler and Purdue. Uh, I talked about Purdue being overseeded, and with uh, Purdue losing uh, their starting center Haas for the rest of the tournament with a broken elbow, uh, to me this makes it even more of a pick where I just cannot take Purdue uh, at face value. Even though Purdue uh, took care of business, uh, that was against uh, a true 15 seed. Against a stiffer competition, Butler's underseeded as a 10 seed, as they proved against Arkansas. I I, I felt like the committee was trying to uh, uh, put in an upset, a uh, guaranteed upset bid there uh, by overseeding the uh, Razorbacks that much. But Butler took care of business. I look at this and say that because uh, I mean Butler was I think Butler was up like 15 points in the first five minutes of that game, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, getting back to my point, I, I think Butler right now with the Haas injury, I, I I have to put Butler in as the favorite here. Uh, I know uh, in terms of the, uh, the 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 betting lines here, the Lions have uh, Purdue still favored as a three and a half uh, point uh, favorite, uh, but. Isaac Haas is a seven-foot center who got the bulk of Purdue's rebounds. You know, I don't think that can be understated. Uh, actually, I think he's seven-two. But um, you know, with that being said, uh, he is their defensive presence. He uh, scares team from uh, teams from going it uh, going inside on uh, Purdue. I, I think without him in there, I, I think you can break him off the dribble and you can get to the paint. I, I you know, I. I Kind of disagree with the betting lines here. I really feel as though uh, Butler should be the favorite here. So I would take the, uh, take the points with uh, uh, with Butler, but I, I'm also uh, picking Butler to win this game outright. I, I just look at this as, as a matchup where I think Butler's the better team right now. Uh, if uh, uh, With Haas out of the lineup, I think Butler is a better team, and I think they're going to win uh, outright. So... Uh, that uh, basically sums up uh, uh, the brackets uh, that I've got with the picks. So uh, we'll see how everything goes, but uh, it should be interesting. Uh, just switching gears here because I'm starting to see chatter uh, coming up of uh, the Jets. It looks like the Jets are trying to move up in the draft. Well, the story was already out there. The Jets are trying to move up in, in the draft, but... Uh, uh, it seems as though the Jets are moving up in the draft. Uh, no details yet, uh, but it looks as though uh, the Jets are trying to move up uh, for the Colts uh, uh, pick at number three. Uh, the um, if, the, if that goes down and the Jets trade up, uh, it depends on how much the Jets give up. But, uh, you know... The, the question is which QB the Jets would be interested in. And knowing the Jets, they're still going to screw up the QB pick anyway. But, I mean, one thing, uh, it's not surprising that the Colts would trade down because I think the Colts are still confident that uh, Andrew Luck uh, is going to be able to come back next year of, of from uh, the shoulder surgery that he had but uh, and rehabbing it. But, you know... If the Jets trade up to three and they miss out on their QB target, uh, I don't know what the Jets are really doing up there. 
Uh, this is why I was saying the Giants needed to uh, try to talk to the Jets and make a trade down and try to get some uh, uh, try, try to get some value out of, out of the trade uh, because I, I think the Jet uh, the Giants could have gotten a couple of second round picks out of the Jets uh, just because the Jets have uh, a couple of second rounders and you know maybe, even if you have to stagger it where uh, you get a couple of, uh, a couple of picks for uh, next few years, but I, I still think it, that made more sense for the Giants rather than sitting at two. Uh, and you know, if uh, if things don't go a certain way, because this kind of goes back to what I was saying before with Giants, I, I I'm not as big on drafting Saquon Barkley, and that cures all the Giants' woes. I think the Giants have. A couple of issues uh, on that offensive line that needed to be addressed. So that's why I was looking at a guy along the lines of Quentin Nelson that could help replace uh, a guy like uh, uh, Pew uh, just because of the fact that Pew, uh, Justin Pew, is going to make so much money in free agency. The Giants couldn't afford him anymore. And because we paid so much for Solder, uh, I mean, realistically, uh, you flip Flowers over to right tackle. You have Solder at left tackle, and you still have questions at uh, at guard. I mean, I know we signed the the guy from uh, Jacksonville uh, to play guard, but uh, you know uh, his name escapes me at the moment. But uh, I just don't see uh, the, the blueprint for how the Giants fix that offensive line unless we draft early in the draft and let the guy develop with the offensive line that we already uh, brought in. Uh, so uh, that that's just the way I kind of uh, see it going. Uh, other thing I want to talk about uh, is just the injury woes of the uh, Golden State Warriors because uh, what amounts to a changing of the guard in the West at the moment because I was poo-pooing uh, the Rockets for quite some time, but uh, given the amount of injuries that Golden State has, because they they in in the span of two weeks, uh, uh, Golden State has lost Steph Curry to an ankle injury, Clay Thompson to finger, and now Kevin Durant is out with what is being described as not a complete rib fracture. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is it, I didn't know there were degrees of rib fractures, but uh, uh, you know. If Durant's missing a couple of weeks, along with Clay and Steph, I mean, you can kiss the uh, number one seed goodbye, uh, and it's now just trying to get healthy enough for the playoffs. So, uh, again, I kind of look at uh, the Warriors as a team where you're playing in the deepest league in basketball. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say other than they have to actually uh, uh, get themselves in order. So, uh, in terms of a fancy consideration, I would actually say uh, you can take a look at Quinn Cook, who's going to get a ton of playing time now for Golden State uh, with all these injuries. Uh, other guys uh, that you could take a look at if you had Golden State players, uh, uh, Wilson Chandler, uh, uh, who's on the Nuggets, making a, a deep run uh, to try to get into the playoffs. Uh, he's also uh, been putting up uh, uh, solid points. He's always been a solid performer, uh, but uh, 
Uh, he's been a 15 and uh, 15.6 rebound kind of guy for the bulk of his career. Uh, but uh, with the Nuggets in prime position to actually make a run in the playoffs, uh, given the amount of injuries that uh, San Antonio has had in the last, uh, uh, well, throughout the entire season, basically, for San Antonio. Uh, but the Nuggets are in, uh, uh, legitimately in uh, uh, position to make the playoffs. Uh, and then uh, the other, uh, actually, the other guy I would say, just uh, since uh, I do have to go into fantasy stats, uh, the other guy I would say uh, you could look at uh, to uh, pick up is the fact that uh, uh, Nemanja uh, Belica for Minnesota, just uh, if he hasn't been picked up already in this league, I probably should have mentioned this last week, but uh, given Jimmy Butler's injury, uh, uh, knee injury, uh, Belica has started uh, in the past week. So he's been averaging four, uh, 14 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, since that time, so that would be the other uh, fantasy basketball pickup uh, of the week, uh, just to solidify your small forward position. Because again, uh, if you have Warriors players, you lost out on Clay Thompson, and uh, now Durant's being out. You need forwards, so uh, those would be my uh, suggestions. Uh, so uh, uh, probably going to take. Uh, uh, a little bit of a foray into Premier League uh, just to talk about uh, what happened with uh, Champions League. Uh, so <laughs> the comical part about uh, what you see in sports sometimes is you see results that just boggle the mind. But Manchester United, they of the half a billion dollars spent in two years under Jose Mourinho were bounced by Sevilla, a team that is struggling mightily uh, in given uh, the rankings in La Liga. Uh, uh, I mean, Sevilla fired the coach and brought in uh, a new manager who had just been fired by AC Milan, uh, who were also struggling, uh, who were struggling in Serie A. Uh, I mean, literally, they 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 brought someone in. Uh, uh, I want to say in December. I, I mean, he wasn't even in charge that long. So, uh, you know, a- after, well, I mean, Sevilla pretty much was an afterthought in La Liga uh, this year uh, in, in terms of uh, clubs, just because of how, uh, I mean, Real had fell off of Valencia. I mean, Sevilla, realistically, is uh, kind of like in uh, what would be uh, Arsenal's position in the Premier League. So, and I'm not even sure if uh, Arsenal would lose to Sevilla, but be that as it may, Sevilla <laughs> was in Champions League and Arsenal's in Europa. But be that as it may, uh, Man U had a nil-nil draw at uh, uh, at Sevilla. So. The, the game was going to be decided in Old Trafford. And what happened at Old Trafford uh, over this past week was nothing short of shocking because Sevilla scored two goals on Man U. Man, uh, Man U got one late goal uh, as they were desperately trying to uh, claw their way back into it, but it was pretty much a done deal because Sevilla had the away goals they needed to advance. So 
Post-match, after getting embarrassed by Sevilla, uh, Jose Mourinho, the Man U uh, manager, decided to further rub salt in the wound for uh, United fans by bringing up the fact that Man U hasn't been good in Champions League in years. And, you know, he, 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 basically, he, he basically stated that the Manchester United fans should be used to this by now. Which is not exactly the choice of words I would use if I spent half half a billion dollars on players and still got the same results, if not worse results, than my predecessors in the past four years. But hey, uh, Jose Mourinho plays by his own set of rules. So, uh, I mean, I thought he would at least be somewhat recalcitrant uh, in his press conference yesterday. But you know what? That's my fault for assuming that Jose Mourinho had any shame. Uh, Basically, what Mourinho proceeded to do yesterday was go on a 12-minute rant uh, criticizing the expectation level of United and their supporters, stating that the history of Manchester City has surpassed Man U, which is like saying the Golden State Warriors have supplanted the Lakers for basketball dominance in the state of California, uh, in terms of level of ridiculousness, uh, you know, it's it's a joke that Mourinho would even suggest such a thing, but he did it without even being facetious. He literally said that as if it was a matter of fact and not up for debate. So I am wondering if Jose Mourinho is already planning his escape route from Manchester United. By sowing the seeds of discontent with the board, saying that if the board doesn't isn't prepared to spend even more money and, and potentially violate financial fair play rules, uh, but isn't willing to spend more money to keep up with the Saudi oil money that fuels Manchester City, that uh, he is perfectly willing to have the club fire him because they weren't willing to make the uh, the full commitment to win, in his opinion. I, I I look at it and I, I kind of shake my head at it because it seems to be one of the most obnoxious ways of going about it. But uh, you know, it it is certainly uh, something that's going to cause uh, much debate over the next uh, couple of weeks. Because I mean, uh, that was one of the most bizarre press conferences you'll ever see. So I highly recommend. Uh, uh, taking the time out of your day to listen to Jose Mourinho's press conference because it it, it was, uh, I believe the official word count on it was 987 words of uninterrupted ranting, uh, was one uh, journalist put it, uh, but over 12 minutes. So it is uh, a highly entertaining rant. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, factual? Hardly. But entertaining, quite uh, it's right up there. Uh, oh wait, it looks like I got my dad on the line here, so uh, I'm gonna take this call here and uh, actually I'll, I'll get his thoughts on it because he's probably calling me about the NCAA tournament. So uh, stay tuned. To, to kind of go back to what we were talking about with uh, Virginia before, what I wanted to hear from the selection committee that ruled that all these other teams like St. Mary's. Uh, you can go. You can go down the list. Uh, Middle Tennessee State. All these smaller schools that they said the total body of work didn't matter. You know, 
in terms of some of these games where you saw teams that were struggling badly. Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Well, see, Arizona's the the weird one because Arizona, even though that was a weak conference, Arizona was the best team in that conference the entire year. What I thought happened to Arizona was, uh, in terms of the game itself, once Buffalo punched them in the mouth, Arizona was like, you know what? It's been a long season. We're good. Because most teams would have, like, rallied and came back around and, like, at least made a push. Like, last night, Virginia just uh, got beat. Arizona just quit, uh, uh, to be perfectly honest. Like, Arizona had no, uh, just had no uh, desire to actually be involved in that game whatsoever. Once they got down... They were like, nah, we're, we're, we're good for uh, doing whatever we want to do a- afterwards. Because if you look at Arizona, Arizona had so many recruits like decommit from the university because they knew that uh, that program was going to be punished regardless of how, like, the, you know the feds are involved. So the NCAA is just uh, is just hoping that the feds don't, uh, don't ding them too much. So they're going to throw the book at Arizona to uh, make a tough case. But it's like some of these other schools where you just saw that they weren't nearly as good. It's like Syracuse uh, Syracuse won last night, which I wasn't surprised by because that was the one matchup that Syracuse could win because TCU doesn't score that many. It's like TCU scores points, but they score those, okay, if you don't play a decent defense, we're going to score on you. TCU scores kind of garbage points. Because I seen Blunt is out there, but we signing Jonathan Stewart. I didn't understand that. No, 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 no. The giant, the giant, the giant signed Jonathan Stewart so that Gellman could have a snitch in the locker room. That's what that was. There's no, there's no getting around it. Gellman doesn't know the Giants. Uh, He knows the Giants, but he doesn't know this current group of Giants because he's been away. He's been away for a few years, so these are a lot of Reese guys. So he needs his own guy in the locker room. That can kind of get in. Uh, that that's respected enough that people won't automatically view him as a snitch. But basically, that's what Jonathan Stewart's job is. He he got a job to basically be a veteran leader and also to let gentlemen know who's the troublemaker. That that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> you could be right. You could be right. Um, the, um, the, 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 because way too way too many guys on that Giants team quit last year and it and it goes beyond just Eli Apple. So Gettleman has to get to the bottom of who is truly because that's why DRC was let go. One because of the pay cut, but I think the Giants knew he wouldn't accept the pay cut because he caused so many issues during the season. It's like the Giants were trying to get rid of guys that were issues off the field. Oh, uh, ab- 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 oh, man, I butcher his name. Obama, Obama, Obama may, or, ah, oh, jeez. Uh, Agabame, oh, yeah. Agabame, I, I, ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. 
his name uh patrick uh, uh, amama uh, amame <laughs> okay <Yeah. clears throat> because because the jags signed the jags signed norwell and again that was the same situation the giants don't have enough money with uh, with some of these linemen getting paid i mean norwell it got 66 million from coughlin i mean the, i mean coughlin coughlin paid him to be the highest guard he overpaid but you know that's uh, that. That's what it did. But it's like uh, Omome was the starting guard for the Jaguars. So basically, we took the Jags guard, and uh, the Jags took uh, our number one target. But we we couldn't pay Norwell that much money. Mm. Uh, no, the Giants not they look. <clears throat> we screwed up that thing the year when we had the money. When the the year that he paid. Um, the, he fixed the defense. And the reason he had to do that was because his picks were so shitty that he couldn't, you know, he couldn't, he, 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 he had to buy a defense instead of any other guys that he picked being good because, shit, I mean, if he had gotten Tyron Matthews, you stick Tyron Matthews in there with, 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 with Landon Collins, I mean, you got to be kidding me. And you have Ogletree in front of them? Uh, yeah. That secondary would have been great. Oh, yeah, no. Every, everyone, everyone uh, like in, in terms of the pundits, said the Giants would be a perfect spot for Tyron Matthew to land. But we don't. We didn't have the money for Matthew. I mean, $7 million, uh, it's a one-year deal, but $7 million from the uh, from the Texans, tax-free, I can't blame Matthew for passing up that money. No, he's going to take it going to take that money you know so uh you know it, it, and and and, and yeah, yeah, you, you know because he's a guy that gets injured so if he's getting some million in texas where you know the, with the tax free thing yeah sure he's gonna take that that deal you know because remember the reason he left arizona is because of the money so he's not going to leave Arizona and come and give the giant a home Kong discount. So yeah. you know he's going to take that money. And it's not like other people wasn't going to be calling him. So you, you would have to pay him. That's the only thing I was worried about because everybody was saying that, you know, the way he moves, he likes, he likes uh, to be around his people. That's why he went to Arizona with Peterson and them. And the, the, the coordinator is with the Giants, so the Giants may be a spot. But I was always thinking, I wonder if we're going to have money to sign him. You know? That, 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 that's the problem with everybody I see come on the market, is if we're going to have money to sign him. You know? But I was saying, if Endomlican Sue signs with, 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 with the Saints... Uh, that says defense is gonna be like something else. Because, you know, oh yeah, uh, uh, they were good this year. 
yeah, yeah, you, 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 you give a pissed yeah. off Indomitian Sue uh, a reason to uh, hit quarterbacks because you know he's he 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 got it he got he got a good bit of money from the Dolphins, but you know he's still kind of pissed off about getting cut the way he did. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Although I, I don't know, I always thought to me that thing in Miami never really worked out. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was a it was a signing where you you saw it and you're like, this doesn't seem like it's a very logical signing, but okay. I, I, to me, to me, that defense was never built for what Sue does. You know. It, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just it, that defense never. Look, you can't tell me the game that 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 you actually said. Oh, that Miami defense was something. Never. I, I don't know. It, it just. I don't know if they didn't have the right coordinators or what. But for some reason, that defense never scared anybody. You know. That to me, like. So what? They just, just, they just didn't go through the middle, and they just ran around. So, yeah, as though it never, it never, they never built it right. You know, he never looked in Miami like how he looked in Detroit. No. You know. But so I, 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 but I, 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 but a lot of that, I, I, I think you can just bring anybody in, but yeah, you gotta think. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of that I, I always felt had to do with the scheme. I didn't like the scheme that they had set up because. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's a scheme. I never thought that scheme uh, took, took, took advantage of what he does. You know, because you know, I mean, if we had the money, I would love to, for him to stick in there with, with, uh, with. Uh, with, oh, with, snacks? Um, oh, forget it. it. It'd be a wrap. Snacks in the middle, you'd never be able to run on the Giants in the middle. You know, because then you then you would have JPP and Olivia Vernon on the two ends. You know, so the linebackers would have a feeling. <laughs> you know, but we, we can't pay him the money. Yeah. But the kind of space that he takes up, if you put him in the middle there with him on snacks, it's... That's 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 a lot of problems, I think. But those things are pipe dreams because, like I say, we never have that kind of money on our account. The only reason we got money was because they they they, they increased that cap and we fell in there. But our draft picks are so bad that we we can't be adding anything. You know, that 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 that's why we we the the, the gentleman basically. Is going to have to rebuild the Giants roster, you know, and you know, and get get good draft picks now. Yeah. But I, I see the 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 Bronx sign Carlos Hyde. I can't see him signing Carlos Hyde for that kind of money and still trying to take Saquon Barkley with, with the first pick. N- now I don't. Oh, know. The Bronx are so stupid. Huh? Well, well, the, 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 this, this is the thing about the Browns that always drives me nuts. When I give them praise for making those trades that they did, because I like Tyrod Taylor, I, li- I like the Jarvis Landy trade because they had so much cap space. Why not use Landry? Because the biggest hindrance on Landry is the fact that he's overpaid. But hey, it, you know, he's a good. He moves the sticks. He's very productive. So yeah, I can see if if you need if you have cap space. Why not take a Landry? My issue is, 
if if you know Saquon Barkley is the most productive player for you, why you would even risk bringing in a Carl Side when you could stay under the cap and you can always bring in another high-priced free agent that can help in other areas? I mean, not that Carl Side is making that much, but again, it's one of those where if I'm the Browns, Joe Thomas just retired. The money that's been thrown around for offensive linemen, I probably would have taken that money and paid for an offensive line. And then if I was going to draft a QB, that's what what I use it for. I, I, I sign a bunch of offensive linemen knowing that Joe Thomas is retiring. And then I draft my QB. Instead, what the Browns are doing looks like they're going to draft a QB and then use uh, use the, uh, use that fourth pick on uh, the guard for Notre Dame unless the Giants get him. I, I don't I, I don't get that logic because again what w- what I was getting at is the fact that you know uh, offensive linemen yes uh, they can be effective as uh, uh, if you have a good number of players around them but that first year they still struggle a little bit but the reason why I say for a team like the Giants <coughs> trading down and getting linemen. It's just from the simple fact that the Giants are so bad that any lineman would be an upgrade over what the Giants had done. That's why they had to overpay for Solder so much. But, uh, you know, for the Browns, you know, if you're going to stink, you might as well keep your players healthy, and that's why you bring in the veterans to solidify that line in case Joe Thomas wasn't coming back, which is what happened. I think the Browns just assumed Joe Thomas was going to come back for more punishment. And uh, figure they would be able to draft a QB. Now the Browns are in a spot where the the best linemen are gone, and you're and now you're 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 bringing in guys that you're gonna need linemen for, and you're probably gonna end up drafting uh, a QB with your number one pick. Uh, because why would you? Uh, to your point, why would you bring in Saquon Barkley when you already have Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson? It doesn't make any sense. That's what I said. You know. You know, look, to me, and I would love to have Saquon Barkley, but to me, the more important thing for the Jazz is to fix that line. Because if you bring Barkley in and the line is as bad as last year, you know, because everybody talks about Elliot, but Elliot, if, 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 if Elliot had signed with the Giants, he never would have looked as good because we would have had the line to make those holes for him. Now, having said that, when you hit the hole, he knows how to go through. And you don't have to make as big a hole for him as you had to make for some of the other guys. But still, it would affect them. You know? It would affect them. Hey, you know, I, I'm now seeing a thing here with Red Zone. You know, I'm, I'm flipping through the thing the other day, and mm-hmm. I found they have a Red Zone here. Oh, they got a Red Zone down in Trinidad? Yeah, they have the, the NFL red zone. So uh, it's just a matter of waiting for the season to start to, 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 to check it out. But see, yeah, I see they have an NFL red zone. Well, well, well you see that... Well, 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 well uh, uh, Callie, I don't think I told you this. You you know how much DirecTV is charging people for Sunday ticket now? No. Uh, DirecTV, DirecTV has jumped up the season ticket pricing... Uh, on uh, the, uh, on Sunday ticket to three hundred dollars. 
You know what I want to know? Why would you want NFL Sunday ticket when there's red zone there? Because technically, Dwayne, you can't watch all those games at the same time. Whereas with red zone, you really don't miss anything. You, you, you actually don't want to watch a whole... The only team that you want to watch a whole game is your team. But the other games, you just want to see the big plays, and that's what Red Zone does. Well, well don't worry. If, 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 if you want Red Zone on top of that, then you can upgrade to the ultimate uh, Sunday ticket package with Red Zone for $400. Yeah, okay. I, and I, I can see me just running out to go and get that. You know, it's, it, look, let me tell you something. For, for DirecTV to be brave enough to, tr- to sell me that, it's just as good as Trump trying to sell you that. The reason that, 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 that Lamb won is because he said nice things about me and he sung like a Republican. You know, I, it, it, Republicans have so much stomach. That they actually on TV telling people, oh, he sounds like a Republican. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he ran like a Republican. He's pro-choice. He's for background checks. He's for the union. Yeah, I mean, how, how the hell you can actually tell people this shit? And, and MSNB kept doing that where every time they say, he ran like a Republican. They played one of the clips from what he says. I'm poor choice, and it's just they keep saying that. So, so Scarborough says, okay, so now we know the Republican platform. They're poor choice, they're for the unions, they support background checks because all of them said he ran like a Republican, that's what he won. You know, I'm like, oh my god, I don't believe this shit. Yeah, but anyway. But but yeah, I, I, like what I was saying though is that with everything that's been going on, it's like the more I keep hearing what people are saying, well, things have never been done that way. It's it's got to be done this way. It's like I say with this NCAA, if they would if they would stop being uh, stop being ridiculous with how they're uh, they're going about uh, this process and stop being greedy, this uh, this system would look a whole lot less corrupt. Because now you, you got you got you got the FBI investigating everything, because guess what? There are going to be it's like the judge the judge in this case said stop leaking information. So I guess some uh, uh, Yahoo and CBS got a little bit of the info, uh, but they didn't get everything, which is why the judge issued the gag order. But there's going to be some other teams that that got caught up because all the teams that got caught up. Were uh, were basically knocked out early, but there 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 are definitely teams in this tournament still that are somehow guilty of the various things that are being alleged with the FBI investigation because it it, it is profound at the AAU level that guys are getting paid and directed to certain schools. There, there's no no getting around that. charges then you're gonna see you know you're gonna see what's what because yeah there, there, there is a lot of um a, a lot of think people are gonna get snared in this thing you know so we'll see we'll see 
They 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 they, they, they made they made they made sure to leave them out because again with, with 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 Central Florida going undefeated they went out of their way to say nope there's no way they can be considered for the playoff what do you mean they can't be considered for the playoff they're undefeated nope we're not going to even consider them that's why they could say they're national champions because the only reason why they uh, they weren't playing in the title game is because the selection committee just said nope. We're not going to put them in there. Even though they're undefeated and everyone else has losses, nope, we're not putting you in there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. you got to be careful with them because whenever whenever you punch them in the face, they double down, you know, and and get even more stubborn. So don't be surprised next year if they leave out more teams just because they're like, uh, we don't want to take a chance that you know that shit could happen again. Well, well, yeah, so. well. I, 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 I can tell you one thing though. I, it, it's going to be a very long time before Virginia gets a number one seed because I remember you telling me stories about them losing to Shamana before I was born. But th- yeah. there, there's, yeah. there's no way Virginia is ever going to get benefit of the doubt in any sort of level from uh, uh, the basketball selection committee. After this one, because it, it, I, there were some, I there were some close calls, but 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 it's like not only was this a same shit. they lost with Ralph Samson on them. Yeah, but but that's but that's why I was saying it's like uh, you know it's like yeah because you told me that they lost with a Hall of Famer and Samson, but this is what this is one where literally this wasn't even a close game. They were so badly blown out that it's just like. And, and, and I'm look and I looked at every every stat and metric you can look at. There's no way that anyone could have predicted this one, other than to say we didn't know what the what we were looking at because like for whatever reason Virginia did not have anything uh, did not have anything uh, to a- to answer uh, them with. And I mean again, this is a team that plays everyone in the ACC. So it's not as though they hadn't seen competition. Yeah, that's what I told you. The, I, I, I watched the second half of that game. Hey, shut up! Shut up! Run the post! Is that the parrot or the rooster? <laughs> no, that's the parrot. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, he makes that kind of noise to them. So that you can take it, you know. <laughs> he does that and he, he, he imitates the phone. He makes it, <laughs> the, the phone is ringing. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, like I said, in the second half of that game, I knew that game was over. You knew the game was yeah. over. Yeah. No, the, 
That's why. That's why when people are coming to me asking like, "What is going on here?" I have no answer for them because this is without question just a bizarre a, a game where literally uh, from the jump you could see that Virginia was struggling, and yeah, they had they had the injury to DeAndre Hunter, but that had nothing to do with how they were getting beat defensively. It's like it's like they were for whatever reason they were not ready to play that game. Despite the fact that watching them throughout the year, they're one of the most prepared teams. It's like literally, they just had a bad night, and I, I, I can't explain it. I cannot explain that game. The problem I have with the game is like now somebody asks them. Um, they said, um, uh, "You know, this never happened before. Did you think that because you were playing a, a 16 seed?" that you would you could just go in and, and, and win the game. The problem I have with that kind of thinking is that the, Virginia is a kind of a defensive grind them out team. Yeah, no, Virginia Vir- you, you don't take nobody for granted. No, no, that, that that's why I looked at Virginia as one of those teams where the, even though they had the injury, they were still one of the safer picks because they know what they have to do to win every game. They got to play a good defensive game, be be uh, be selective with their shots. But last night, you could see that as soon as they were struggling to keep in front of them, because they were getting broken down off the dribble, they could they could not for whatever reason they were they, they were they were getting lost on the ball screens. Yeah, they were getting beaten off the dribble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting right into the teeth of that defense every single time, and like they couldn't stop him. Yeah, and the the and the other part was they were getting lost on the ball screens, which never happens to them. So you could tell that they, because I'm looking at it, the first half, okay, they 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 were they uh they they I mean Virginia never lights the world on fire, so them struggling on offense didn't surprise me. Uh, UMBC didn't do much either. But then as the uh, first half started to close, UMBC got on a little roll, and I'm like, okay, that's not a good sign for Virginia because you let them get a little bit of confidence. But when that second half started, uh, UMBC made a couple of adjustments, and from that point on, it was off to the races because uh, Virginia uh, lost all contain on defense. And as I'm wa- and as I'm watching the pace quicker for UMBC, I'm like, Virginia cannot keep this going. And then when Virginia, when I saw Virginia go down double digits, I was like, oh, we got an upset on our hands here because Virginia is not equipped to come back from a double digit deficit. That's just not how their, their team is built. It's like they can, they can, they can, they can make it, they can make a comeback and win the game. But if you're scoring, but the pace of the game was going fast. And that's when I said they were in trouble because the pace has to be slow for Virginia because they uh, they whittle down the shot clock and then they take a and high quality shot. shot. Yeah, and and thing. and then you, you saw know, them they take. You, and they play defense and they always use the shot clock. Yeah, but then you started seeing them take shots with 16 seconds left on the clock, and I'm like, oh boy, this this, this is uh this, this is a sign that this game is going uh, south in a hurry because uh, that's yeah. when you could see that they got tight and, that, uh, and from that point on it was a wrap. Anyway, I got 
Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll catch up, but, but take it easy, Kelly. All right. All right. Yeah, all right, son. All right. Yeah, so I mean, again, just to catch up on my dad there, but the 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 insanity of these games is the fact that, again, which I already outlined before uh, that call, it's just the fact that every defensive metric you could have gone by tells you that Virginia, even though they struggle on offense, would be able to slow down uh, UMBC. And, I, I again, I don't understand how UMBC was able to put up 53 points in the second half on Virginia when Virginia limits teams to 53 points a game. It, it's, it's, again, one of the biggest upsets in the history of, of sports, not just college basketball, sports, because of everything else that was riding on this game, you you you've got to be kidding me. But uh, uh, we're gonna see what the rest of the tournament has uh, in store for us, because, uh, like I said, it, this is just one of those where I I can I for the life of me cannot fathom a situation like that happening. And it did. So, you know, if you're a team that's in a Power 5 conference, you got to be looking over and just saying to everyone on your squad, be ready for anything because you never know when another school is just going to play out of their minds and just uh, take it from you. Because, again, Virginia, number one defensive team by all accounts, just got blitzed, and no one saw that one coming. I mean, no one saw Arizona-Buffalo, but Arizona packed that one in. And Buffalo hit some shots that you're just shaking your head as like, you know what, if it's bouncing that way, it's bouncing that way. UMBC just outworked uh, Virginia and uh, just took it right to them. I mean, that was an even bigger shock by far just because of everything else that was going on. Uh, because if Virginia, uh, yes, they had injury, but that that team is predicated on their defense, and they've stopped everybody. So, again, what can you say but just wow. So, that's going to do it uh, uh, for the show for now. Uh, I'm going to get into some uh, uh, baseball and uh, basketball uh, uh, later on this weekend. But, uh, yeah, I, I just... Still in awe of uh, what uh, what went down in uh, the tournament last night. Uh, so uh, probably going to uh, try to get some uh, sleep uh, just uh, being up so early in the morning. But man, it, it's just, uh, I can't wait for these games today. Uh, that's all I can say. So just want to wish everyone a happy St. Patrick's Day and enjoy the games, folks.
Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.